Hi everybody, this is Ben and this is Ben's Week in Medical School, sharing knowledge about the human body and glimpses into life in medical school. This podcast is for your entertainment and education. I do my best to present accurate information, but this podcast is not professional medical advice. The podcast is a personal project and does not represent the views of my medical school. Welcome back to Ben's Week in Medical School. This is episode 40 and it's week 45 of medical school. Today, I'm going to wrap up the week's events and discuss syncope, aka passing out, which can be scary, but I'll address two of the more lighthearted causes of syncope. Then I have a specialty spotlight on emergency medicine. Let's get started. We're headed into our final week of cardiology, and... I feel like it's been a really fun block. There are a lot of really rational aspects to the way the heart works. It's really just a pump after all. And even the EKGs, they're complicated. There's, they really start out looking like a bunch of squiggly lines. And uh, yeah, it, I'm by no means an expert, but it's, it's pretty fun to learn to make some sense out of these ubiquitous tools for diagnosis that I see all the time whenever I happen to be in the emergency department. Um, So it's just fun to get a peek behind the curtain at what the doctors are really thinking when they, when they look at EKGs. I have one week left till I officially become a second year medical student. It's hard to believe that that time of year has already come. Um, the, the year has seemed really long and also really fat, short at the same time. Passing out or fainting is called syncope by the medical community. And it can be both a very simple and a complex thing at the same time. Uh, in the simplest terms, Just about anyone will actually faint if they stand straight, motionless for long enough. Um, You see this happen to military soldiers standing in formations for like an hour straight without moving. Um, And there are a few interesting mechanisms of the heart and the blood vessels throughout our bodies that contribute to it. First off, blood needs to be in our brains in order to maintain consciousness. So when you're standing up, your body needs to maintain even stronger blood pressure to fight the force of gravity and keep blood going all the way up to our brains. Second, which is kind of a corollary to this, is that blood tends to collect the low spots in the body. So why is that? I think that before medical school, I kind of thought of the veins and arteries just like garden hoses, where what, gets, what goes in one end kind of comes out the other end with the same amount of force. But it's not actually like that. Arteries are kind of like the strong, thick-walled garden hose. But veins are completely different. They're more like those inflatable, flopping air dancers that people put up to advertise uh, sales at used car lots. They're like 20 feet tall, shaped like a stick figure, and they and they stand up straight for a fraction of a second and then tip over and flail around and then then a fan pushes more air into them and they pop back upright. That's more like what a vein is like. They're big, floppy tubes 
And they actually spend most of their time kind of uninflated with blood. There's blood flowing through your veins all the time, but it's not like filling them up like a balloon. It's more just kind of passing through, even though the veins stay mostly flat. And this is because veins, they don't have muscles that keep them in their tubular round shape like arteries do. So when blood goes from arteries to smaller arteries to capillaries, and then finally kind of comes through the other side into veins, these veins can expand and expand and expand and just hold more blood. So when you're standing up, the blood just fills the veins and actually can kind of pool in your lower extremities. And there's a lot of room for this blood. So if you're standing still with locked knees, your blood is really going to pool into your legs and feet and your brain is going to power down and you get all floppy yourself like an air dancer with the power cut off and people and you fall out. People often not only fall, but might lose consciousness for a second. And it can be kind of, kind of like absurd to see this. It happens at like formal events when people are unaccustomed to standing for a long time. Um, they have to stand and, uh, and then often these are actually events that are being filmed like weddings, graduation ceremonies, church ceremonies. So there, <laughs> our professor linked us a video of a compilation of many people, uh, having this, what's called orthostatic syncope, the, the, the fainting that occurs from standing still. And so I linked that in the show notes. So enjoy uh if you feel inclined you can have a chuckle at numerous numerous examples of orthostatic syncope the key thing about it is is that uh you can prevent this from happening just by bending your knees a little bit flexing some of the muscles in your legs because those muscles they're not in the vein but they're around the veins and they end up squeezing the blood up up to your heart which then gets it up to your brain the trick to standing for a long time is not to stand with your knees locked, but keep flexing some of your leg muscles so that you help push more of the blood up against gravity back into your heart to keep going around your circulation. The other kind of syncope that's pretty interesting and not too um, dramatically scary medically is vasovagal syncope. And this is when someone is surprised suddenly or receives shocking news, like emotional charged news, or sees their own blood sometimes during a medical procedure or during an injury, and that causes someone to pass out. It's similar to the orthostatic syncope because blood is not getting to the person's brain temporarily and reversibly, but the mechanisms are different. When we get surprised or have a big emotional response, our fight or flight system called the sympathetic nervous system, sends signals around the body, and this is mostly adrenaline, telling it to speed up the heart rate and also open up the blood vessels so more blood can get to your muscles, preparing for a fight or an escape from a dangerous situation. At the same time, the competing parts of the nervous system also will activate to an extent to modulate that response, to fine tune it. And this is the parasympathetic system. So they work in opposition. The parasympathetic system in this case 
also activates to sort of control how strong that fight or flight response is going to be. Also, the parasympathetic system has a cool name called the rest and digest system. It's like the very opposite of fighting and flighting. Um, it lowers heart rate, causes more blood to go to the belly, to the abdomen, rather than to the big muscles. Anyway, in vasovagal syncope, there's this problem where you have a startle surprise and that causes adrenaline to course through your body and gets your heart ready to pump faster and move oxygen to your muscles. But so much blood pools down in your legs from the dilation of your blood vessels that you pass out. It only lasts for a few seconds and um, it's kind of curious that this happens at all. One of the things is that it actually could have an evolutionary benefit, which might have actually caused increased survival in our distant human past. One theory is that, or one hypothesis I should say, is that if someone was injured, it could, passing out, could slow the, the bleeding process. Having your heart pump slower instead of faster, maybe constricting some of those blood vessels. And it also could relate to a different hypothesis, which is what we still see today in many animals called playing dead or playing possum, which is a reaction to being like attacked by a predator or the threat of attack. An animal basically passes out and looks dead and becomes a much less attractive target to, to a predator. Uh, some key things are that because this is all related to moving the blood around in your body and having it pool um, in your legs, passing out can occur much more, much more easily if someone is dehydrated. Dehydration lowers the total amount of blood in one's body. So there's less to go around and it's easier for um, your brain to get starved of blood transiently during one of these syncope episodes. That kind of goes hand in hand with not having enough sodium. If you don't have enough sodium, then you also tend to um, lose some of, your, some of your blood volume and are more likely to... Uh, to have one of these episodes. Uh, standing in hot weather also will cause more of your blood vessels to dilate, which also could increase the amount of blood that's pooling down low and not getting up back to your heart level and then getting pumped to your brain. So the solution is to drink lots of water. Uh, if people find that they have this vasovagal syncope in response to seeing blood, you can actually kind of condition yourself out of that and there's i guess some behavioral therapies that you can that you can undertake to become more immune to the sight of blood i've mentioned before that i'm interested in emergency medicine and i think there are really some neat things about that subspecialty or that specialty number one thing about emergency medicine is that emergency medicine doctors are going to see anything between like a stubbed toe to a life-threatening emergency and because of that, the whole emergency team is a really high-performing team that can handle the high pressure of the important moments of life-saving techniques. So emergency medicine physicians get to be the leaders of that team. And I've watched some work during, during codes where somebody is in cardiac arrest and they're trying to restart the heart. It's pretty intense, but I think that that's probably where emergency physicians maybe feel like they're really doing their best work is in those high pressure situations. So I want to read off a list of some of the most common reasons why people go to the emergency room. 
Number one is chest pain. Number two is an acute upper respiratory infection. Number three is urinary tract infection. Number four is headache. Number five is abdominal pain. Number six is our friend syncope. Number seven is non-infective gastroenteritis and colitis. Number eight is dizziness. Number nine is low back pain. And number 10 is a head injury. And I have to shout out number 11, since this is the reason that we're doing our study, which is in the emergency department, which is nausea and vomiting. Emergency department doctors can specialize in anesthesia, critical care. Then there's also EMS, um, emergency medical services, which is being a doctor who's in charge of overseeing an ambulance service, or perhaps even at like the county or state level. Toxicology is, is a cool one. I think at every emergency department, it's good to have at least one toxicologist and all of the ED docs will know who it is on their team that they can always ask bizarre questions to when someone comes in having uh, ingested some strange chemical and hopefully figure out what the best treatment is for that patient. Uh, A couple others that you can subspecialize in are neurocritical care, pain medicine, pediatric emergencies, sports medicine, and the kind of oddball, it kind of surprises me when I see this one in emergency medicine, but it's undersea and hyperbaric medicine. I'm interested in having really good flexibility in my life that emergency medicine provides. You can you can take on three shifts a week and then have four days off, five days off. Um, you can call in for a long vacation, like take two weeks off, and they'll just have somebody else cover your shifts in the hospital. So you have interchangeable colleagues that are filling in. The skills are also really portable, so it's possible to work in different cities or states or maybe even travel and work in, I don't know, three or four different places in a given year, depending on what kind of position I'm looking for. That would work in the emergency department. I don't think that would work as well in family medicine. And it also would definitely not work if I was trying to start my own business. It's an interesting specialty. I'm getting a lot of exposure to it through my volunteer activities, so it's definitely still on my list. That's it for this week. We talked about emergency medicine as a possible career specialty. I'm really open to that career. I talked about the benign causes of passing out or of syncope, i.e. the ones that do not signal an actual health problem. There are, of course, many other reasons that people lose consciousness, and some can be really serious. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to David Funkhauser for our intro and outro music. If you have any questions or comments, please email me. My address is ben at bensweek.com. I'll probably answer some questions next week. Have a great week.